Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, we're going to be discussing bonds with our resident bond expert, Sam Benstead. We're going to be explaining why investors should be paying closer attention to bonds, and we'll also be explaining how to invest in them. So let's get started. So there are two main reasons why people have exposure to bonds. They pay an income, a fixed income, hence why bonds are fixed income. And that income is safer than buying a share. If the company falls into difficulty, bond investors have more protection than equity holders. The income that bonds pay is also more reliable than the dividends that companies pay if they do indeed pay them because dividends can be suspended, cut or cancelled without giving shareholders any notice. The other main benefit is that bonds are viewed as safer investments than stocks and shares. They tend to increase in value when events rock the stock market and worry investors. And this is one of the reasons why the so-called 60-40 portfolio of shares to bonds, that's 60% in shares, 40% in bonds is typically less volatile than putting all your money into shares. Now, bonds haven't paid a decent level of income for a long time. For well over a decade, the amount of income that you could get was quite minuscule. However, the situation has now changed. Over the past 18 months, we've seen interest rates rise quite significantly. The base rate's gone up from 0.25% to 5%. And what this has done is it means that bonds are paying the most attractive level of income that they've paid for over a decade. So Sam, this is the main driver, isn't it? Why bonds are now paying a good income once again. Exactly. So interest rates have gone up to help bring down inflation. The thinking is that if you increase the price of money in the economy, then that debt burden increases. If your mortgage goes up, you've got less money to spend. And that will bring down pressure on prices. It's not really working quite yet in the UK, but economists expect inflation to come down over the next couple of years. So these higher interest rates mean that bonds are repriced. So existing bonds, they're going to sell off. People are going to sell them, which are going to push up the yields um, available. And newly issued bonds are going to be priced off gilts. So if gilts yield 4%, then a company coming to borrow money might might pay something like 6% on their debt. And just to highlight the change in yields over the past couple of years, there's this great stat from from Bloomberg, and they found that in December 2020, globally, there was $18.4 trillion of negatively yielding debt. So that means that if you bought one of these bonds, you're actually paying to store your money with, say, the, the government of Japan. So that was an extraordinary figure. And it took until January 2023 for there to be no negatively yielding debt left. So that just shows this um, this trajectory of where of where yields have gone. In terms of what you can get on your money today, we're in a strange situation where actually bonds that are set to mature soon, the short gilts is what they're called. So gilts maturing in one, two, three years, they actually yield more than um, than gilts yielding in in ten or fifteen or, or twenty years. So you can get about 5% on your money if you want to lend to the UK government for a couple of years. And if you were going to lock your money up for a longer period, you'd get about 4 just over 4% on your money today if you were going to buy one of those gilts. If you wanted to go into the corporate bond market, it's more like 6.5%. So companies have to pay more to borrow than, than governments generally. So that higher yield reflects that. Even if you're getting these yields, inflation in the UK, almost 9% at the moment. So 
that 6%, 5% looks very, very attractive, but if prices are rising, then actually you're still locking in an inflation-adjusted loss. So you've always got to look at the yields on offer, but also look at the inflation rates. And one of the key things to bear in mind before buying, say, a gilt is whether you're prepared to invest in it until maturity. You can, of course, sell on the secondary market, but that mean, you know it depends on the price that you could actually make a loss. Yeah, definitely. If you buy a bond and it, and it falls in value because interest rates are going to go up again and people think, actually, I can get a better deal on, on, on debt now um, because of that repricing and you're forced to sell, then yeah, you, you could lock in a loss. I think we have to highlight here the difference between buying a bond or a gilt directly and holding it to maturity versus holding a portfolio of bonds via, say, an ETF from the likes of BlackRock or Vanguard or trusting an active manager to pick bonds for you. If you buy a two, three, four-year bond and you want to hold it until maturity, you're going to get paid your money back by the government. Every six months, they're going to pay you that coupon. And when that bond matures, you'll get the... Um, you'll get the £100 principal back as well. So there's no risk that the government's going to default and actually you can lock in that um, return as long as you hold to maturity. But there could be a fluctuation in the price of that bond depending on what happens to inflation and interest rates. But as long as you don't have to sell it, then actually it doesn't affect you. In terms of gain and exposure, as Sam mentioned, you know you can pick your own bonds. But I'd say that route, it is more complicated and I think you do need to have a good understanding of the you know, direction of interest rates and also, especially if you're buying a, you know, a corporate bond, you know, scrutinizing the sort of finances of that company. The simpler option is to buy an active fund, buys bonds or a passive fund that um, gives investors exposure to a bond index. So passive exposure, that's either going to be a bond index fund or an ETF, an exchange trader fund. Now on the face of it, getting passive exposure to bonds is potentially not very appealing because what you gain exposure to is the companies that have the highest debt levels. And, you know, these companies potentially are less secure financially than others. Um, whereas with an actively managed fund, then the fund manager is cherry picking the best bonds that they think are in the market that fits into their strategy. And in terms of actively managed options, there's a wide variety of different fund types. Um, you know, some fund managers exclusively just invest in the sort of lowest risk type of bonds. So these are government bonds. And then at the other end of the risk spectrum, there are high yield corporate bond funds and also um, emerging market debt funds. And then sitting in between in the middle are funds that invest in investment grade corporate bonds. And um, there's varying degree of risk risk, uh, risk with those um, issuers um, and the level of risk that the fund has taken should be clearly spelt out to you in the fund prospectus. A popular fund type is strategic bond funds. So what these funds can do is they invest in any type of bond, whereas other bond funds are restricted to a certain part of the bond market. In my view, this is a potentially good sector for retail investors to look at, given the, um, the flexibility that these funds have. But going back to active versus passive, um, there was some research recently carried out by Lipper, and they pitted the performance of active bond funds against passive bond funds. And they, the results of that found that um, passive investors are getting broadly similar results to active. So I wouldn't completely dismiss you know, getting passive exposure to bonds. But as I mentioned, I just bear in mind how those indexes are constructed 
Um, I, think, I think it's important to do your homework and then take a view on that. You know, our Super 60 and our Ace 40 lists, we have a number of bond funds on there. That's a potential good place to look as part of your uh, due diligence and research. But overall, Sam, I mean, the, the yields that investors can get on these funds at the moment, they're typically over 5% across the board, aren't they? Apart from the sort of safest end of the bond market, the government bond specialist funds. Yeah, I think when you look at a bond fund fact sheet, there's a few things you have to be aware of. Yields are quite tricky to get your head around. So if you see something called a distribution yield, that is a reflection of what you're expected to get paid over the next 12 months. That's probably the key thing you want to look for. So look for that distribution yield. And that might be between 4 and 5% at the moment for a, for a sterling investment-grade corporate bond fund. You might also see on that fact sheet the yield to maturity. So that incorporates the return of the principal once the bond matures. So actually, you're going to get a bit of an uplift there. And that figure is more like 6.5% at the moment. But just beware that you're not going to get that paid out as income. That's more a reflection of, of the value of those bonds in the portfolio. You also might something, see something called um, the historic yield, which is a figure which shows out what, you've, what you would have been paid over the past 12 months if you'd held that bond fund. So three things to really look for, but distribution yield is the key one. And in terms of which funds have been proven popular late, it's actually a money market fund, which they're not really classed as um, bond funds, but I mean, they do invest in, in short duration bonds that are set to mature soon. So the fund that's been popular with our customers has been Royal London short-term money market. It's been in our um, top 10 most bought funds um, a number of times now each month. And this fund, so what it does is, as I mentioned, it invests in short-duration bonds that are set to mature soon. They're typically less than a year in terms of lifespan. As well as bond yields being on the rise, cash rates have also been going up. And I think there's now a greater dilemma about whether to invest or to go for cash. What are your thoughts, Sam? That's right. So cash means a lot of things, doesn't it? It can be what your bank is paying you in your in your savings account. It can mean a money market fund. It can mean a fixed rate bond as well. I think people need to be aware of the tax implications of, of some of these investment options. So cash, you actually have to pay income tax on your cash after a certain allowance. So that is something people need to consider. Whereas if you invest in a money market fund, which is cash-like, it's investing in short-term bonds, so it's not quite the same thing. You can hold that in a nicer or a SIP and just reap the rewards of that 5% income without having to think about tax. So cash is attractive, but be careful about how you go about obtaining that return on cash. If you can, use your ISA, use your SIP, stick it in a money market fund there. So the interest rate rises that we've seen over the past 18 months They've made both bonds and cash more attractive for income-seeking investors. But the long-term story remains the same, which is that if you're trying to beat inflation over long-time periods, then the best way to potentially do that is through investing in the stock market. Yeah, definitely. So some great research from Credit Suisse at the start of the year showed that UK shares had delivered 5.3% above the inflation rates. That's a real annualised return of 5.3%. For the past 123 years. That's going back to 1900. In the US, investors did even better. They calculated that returns were a real 6.4%. So if you really want to generate wealth, the stock market's the way to go. If you do have a long-term perspective and you know, you're willing to invest for at least five years, if not ideally longer than that, there's you know, higher than usual yields at the moment for UK 
equity income funds, um, free funds in Interactive Investors Super 60 that are yielding higher than 5% are Vanguard FTSE UK Equity in- Income Index. So this is a passive fund and it physically invests in companies that are in the FTSE UK Equity Income Index. So th- this is mainly um, company FTSE 100 dividend stocks and it chooses companies that are expected to pay dividends that are generally higher than average that allows it to pay that market beating yield of over 5%. The next one is City of London Investment Trust, which we've spoken about previously on the podcast. This is a consistent performer. It's been managed by a long-standing fund manager, Job Curtis, who's managed this investment trust since 1991. This investment trust, it mainly sticks to the dependable larger company, FTSE 100 dividend payers. And it's, um, it's got the longest track record of increasing its dividends amongst investment trusts, which is 56 years in a row which um, is no mean feat, really. And the third one is Man GLG Income. Unlike many others, it pays its distributions monthly, which um, does allow it to stand out from its peers. It has a value-driven approach, which involves seeking to find positive dividend surprises. And it's managed by Henry Dixon, who I recently caught up with and interviewed. And you can check out that conversation on our YouTube channel. So Sam, it's a bit of a debate, isn't it, really? With the, you know, those free funds, for example, they've all got yields of over 5%. But then in the bond market, you can get 5%, potentially 6%, depending on where you invest. So if you had to pick between the two, which would you choose, equities or bonds? It's a great question that finally deserves our, our attention. Because as you say, 6% odd from investment-grade sterling bonds but if you look at the high yield bond sector, seven, eight percent. So you're getting even more there. And equities, you know, these high yielding UK equity funds and investment trusts, you know, between four and a half, five percent. So there, there really is a conversation to be had on the yields available. And actually, bonds are yielding more than equities. With equities, you get the um, the chance of of share prices going up, which sounds great. It works in practice. But if you look at something like City of London. The shares haven't moved much in the past five years. So you actually haven't got that uplift from owning owning shares in the UK at least. So my answer is if you just want a secure income, bonds probably give it to you. If you're a bit more mixed in your goals and actually you want some upside as well, I would look at equity income funds, but I wouldn't just concentrate on UK equity income funds. I'd actually look further afield and try and find a global equity income fund that might own a bit more technology, um, a few more American shares, potentially. Um, Companies that have shown that they can grow their share prices more reliably than UK companies. And there's one on the Super 60, it's the Fidelity Global Dividend Fund. So I'd take a look at that. For me, the answer very much depends on your age um, and your level of risk that you're willing to take. I mean, personally, I'm 33. I'm, you know, most of my investments are going towards my pension. And, you know, I'm willing over a three decade plus time period to, you know, at the moment, just 100% equities with my pension because that is where I think over that time period is the greater potential for growth. My thanks to Sam and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information 
and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interact Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.